Welcome to Salem First Assembly Podcast. May this week's message by Pastor Brian D. Corkin be a blessing to your life in helping you to grow in your understanding of God's Word, strengthen your faith, and equip you to become all that God has created you to be. Good morning. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm so glad you're here. We're so glad that you're here joining us by the internet as well. Today is the last message to the series that we've been talking about, God's One Thing. Today is a very powerful, I think it's a powerful sermon that comes from one thing that we find six daily principles that we can apply just by one thing. And so, how many have ever been in a mess? Just a mess, (laughs) all the time. Well, I want to just, you know something, today I want you to learn to press through the mess. Someone say, press through the mess. If you can learn this, you can really be blessed by it, pressing through the mess. You know, we go through life sometimes, circumstances and situations come. We have good days and bad days, good seasons and bad seasons, difficult seasons, seasons that we can just sail through. But in every season, we learn something. We learn how it is in the valley, but we learn how, this, how it looks in the mountaintop. We understand that God's the same God in the valley as he is the same God on the mountaintop. And so when we go through a mess, how many know God's still there? When you go through a good time, how many know God's still there? Here's the key. Do you bring God into the equation, and are you doing it your way or God's way? Big difference. See, a lot of times people may have the cognitive understanding, but are you bringing it into your present situation? So we're going to talk about the last phrase, one thing. There's five so far. We had one thing you lack, one thing is necessary, one thing I know, one thing I ask, and today, one thing I do. Someone say do. Do. Go do, do. (laughs) Oh, that's terrible of me. All right, let's look at today's question. This is the question I want you to think about with today's message. Oh, look at someone say it's good to laugh. Gee whiz. This is the question we're going to ask ourselves today. Are you still carrying the flops, the faults, and the failures of your past today? Or are you looking to and trusting in Jesus Christ for your today and your future? I want you to think about this question here. How much of our past do we still carry into our present? Because when you make a mistake, make a flop, Whatever it may be, some type of failure, whatever it may be, you could have a thought of business and the business went down. And you had put all your gusto into a business, but the business didn't fly. You know, you learn more from your mistakes, do you know that, than you do from your successes. You take a test and you get three wrong, you will focus on those three wrong more than anything else. Or even worse, take a test and get one wrong. And because you missed the 100, you'll always remember the one you got wrong. So just because we've had some faults and failures and some uh, times where we just didn't do what we thought it'd do, doesn't mean God's not done. So before we start, I want you to look at someone in love, say, God's still working with you. So I want you to reflect upon these questions here before we start anything. Is anything of your past... 
your flops, your faults, your failures, are they still relevant? Are you still thinking about them? Are you still wishing you could go back? Oh, I wish I could go back to my 30s. You can't. How many like to go back to the 30s, right? Well, some of you, you, you know. Everybody has an age you like to go back to. Let's look at this portion of Scripture found in Philippians. I want you to understand that this portion of Scripture, Paul, has, Paul the Apostle has just said that he wants to know the power of God, he wants to understand the suffering of God, and he's trying to obtain it. And in verse 13 and 14, he, there's a conclusive paragraph that really is emphasized. And it says this, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. What a beautiful portion of Scripture. Let's look at verse 13. And we're going to take it apart little by little. This is six daily steps of life so you can know God and do what God's asked you. These are three, these are six steps. They're a process, a process of things you and I need to do. Let's look at this for a second. It says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Let's just stop. Paul the Apostle was an incredible man used of God. I want you to say to yourself, I am a chosen vessel of God. Say that. We have, in, the, we in our minds sometimes want to elevate those of Scripture so high, like, oh, if I could only be like them. Well, you can. You just have to do what they did or have the heart that they had. God is always looking for a David. God is always looking for a Moses. God is always looking for a Deborah. God is always looking for someone to stand up and stand out amongst the many. Paul the Apostle is saying, he's actually being very full of humility. He says, you know what? I haven't considered myself to take an hold of it. I don't truly understand this whole thing that God's doing. The suffering, the resurrection, his power, his ways, all of it. I'm not there yet. We have to remember that you're not there yet. So just say right now, I'm not there yet. <laughs> you know the difference of some, how you said that? Some said it like this. Hey, I'm not there yet. Some like, well, I'm, I'm not there yet, but I'm pretty close. <laughs> you see, none of us are there yet, but guess what? God is with you. I don't know if this is going to get in, but I want you to understand, Paul the Apostle is admitting that he's not, he doesn't understand it all. But sometimes you can meet a Christian who just seems like they have all the answers. You know, their theology is all knit and tucked and you know what? And if you don't agree with them, well, hey, buddy, you're wrong. And they sometimes can have all the answers. I'm going to tell you something. There's a lot we don't know because living for God is like an upside down funnel. The more you serve God, the more God just gets so much bigger. And I want you to understand something. God is on your side. But if Paul is saying, I don't got it all, guess what? It's okay if you don't understand it all too, okay? Just give yourself the, the freedom just to say, you know what? I don't know everything. Matter of fact, let's practice that for those. Let's just say, I don't know everything. You see, that's okay to say. Pastor does not know everything. 
I am hungry as a hippo, but we are growing every day. I don't want to become a hippo. I'm just growing like a hippo. I just want to clarify that. We are growing to become everything that God wants us to become with the hunger. And you see, when we go to God, we think and God just gives us a cup. But sometimes God gives us an ocean to drink, and it's just too much for us. I'll share this with you. When I got baptized in the, in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I was at a Jimmy Swaggart crusade. It was a powerful experience, and when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon me, I literally thought I was going to blow up. I could not contain everything that was on my body. As I spoke in tongues that I have never spoke before, there was such a power, a present, and when God was done with me, I was no longer the same vessel. No longer the same vessel. My whole life turned around totally. That's what God can do. One moment with God. That's why I say it only takes one moment for God to do the miraculous. And when you, when you dip into the power of God, yes, he changes us. Yes, it takes a moment, but we have to have a hunger, as Paul the Apostle did, and he wanted to learn. So you and I are on a journey. So was the Apostle Paul. He was on a journey, and he didn't have all his answers. It was a day-to-day thing, depending on the Spirit, as he went and traveled by faith. So, everybody say this. Remember, you're not there yet. That's the foundation I want you to get. Just understand that. In order for you to build your bricks, you have to recognize you're totally dependent upon the Lord Jesus Christ. So don't get cocky. All right? Look at your neighbor and say, don't get cocky. (laughs) All right, now watch this. We're going to build. We're going to build. Look at this now. Verse 13 says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. The second thing we need to do in this one thing is that we are to forget the flops, failures, and faults of our past. But how many of us sort of like remember all the pain, remember all the things that weigh you down? You're trying to run the Christmas, Christ, Christian life, you're trying to follow the Lord, but you're carrying all much baggage from your past. You're carrying all the ones that hurt you. I made a whole list of you, but let me just give you a few. It's the pain from your past that others have done unto you. It's the, it's the bad decisions and the bad choices that you continually make over and over again. You know you shouldn't, but you still do them, but they carry with you to your presence. There are bad experiences that you had by people or in jobs or how they treated you, and they were Christians. Oh, surprised. Uh, How about this? Unresolved circumstances and families. Listen, being hurt, getting hurt is going to happen in life. Did they hurt Jesus? Did Jesus go through hurt? Even when he did good and healed people, did they still want to hurt him? Yes. Isn't it crazy? Why do you think you and I are a little different? But so we're going to have these things of our past, and if we're not careful, they're going to hurt us. Let me ask you a question. When you're driving a car, how many of you drive your car looking in the rear view mirror? Hmm. How many, huh? Or, or, do, or do you look through the windshield? I mean, some of the way you guys drive, you might be driving your car through the rear view mirror. You're driving through the mirror. You don't do that. You drive through the window. Because why? What is the window? The window shows you where you're going. When you keep looking in the rear view mirror, you're focused on where you've been. But when you're looking through the, the window of the car, you're looking at where you're going. So my question I have you, for you is, how's your driving? How's your driving? What are you doing? Are you focusing on where you've been? Or are you focusing on where you're going? Because as long as you keep focusing on what's behind you and where you've been, you'll never reach the destination of what God wants to do 
ahead of you. It will hinder you. It will stop you. It will prevent you. It will hurt you. Get this. I've been, I've been a few days. I understand this a little bit. And I'm telling you the truth. Your past can teach you if you allow it to teach you to become better. It doesn't have to hurt there's a point where it gets resolved. There's a point where all of a sudden your past does not determine your future. Someone say amen. amen. So, so I want you to get this. Is that do you live from where you've been or do you live for where you're going? Because Paul said this one thing, one thing I'm doing, I'm forgetting from what's behind me. Now, I know most of you know this, and I'm not going to go a lot on this, but Paul had a past like you had a past. You know, if you look at 7, 8, and 9, you see a little story of who Paul is and what he did, but he had a past. He was approving the murder of Stephen, which was a very righteous man, a man who is very gifted, and there he is approving his death. Then he's going, and he's got papers to separate he was a terrorist of the New Testament. That's what he was. Paul the Apostle was a terrorist. And today when we talk about Paul, we're talking about the most unlikely. Because nobody at that time thought anybody could use Paul. Not Paul. No. None of the disciples even liked Paul. Even when he got saved, they didn't want to hang with him. But what happens is, Paul had a transformation. And when he had a transformation, you see that God did a work in him. This is what most people don't understand is we're not focusing on the person who used to be because Paul became a different person, okay? He had two names, a Hebrew name and a Gentile name. Paul was a Gentile name, and that's what he went by. Well, there's a Greek name, really, but that's what he went by. I want you to understand this. This is important for you and I to understand that he says this in 1 Timothy 1. Look what he says. Look what he says about himself. Because maybe you say, you know what, I don't deserve, uh, you know, I'm a bad guy, I've done this, I've done that. Well, Paul, Paul can understand with you. Listen, 1 Timothy 1, I thank Jesus Christ and our Lord who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to service. Even though I once was a blasphemer and persecutor and violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly along with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Do you see what he said? He called himself a blasphemer and a persecutor, a violent man. How many of you think that's a great thing to put on your, your resume? He is the apostle and he is saying he remembers who he was. And when we talk about a blasphemer... In Paul's context, you have to understand what that really means because, see, Paul was uh, coming against God. He was, had a view. He thought the people of the way, Christian believers, were wrong. It was wrong according to what he believed. And in his heart, in purity of his heart, he thought he was doing God a good thing according to the law. And how many of you know people who have wrong thoughts, they think they're doing good, but they're doing wrong? It's sort of like people who can say and do things and they have this wrong thinking and yet it leads to the wrong acts, but they think they're doing good. We live in an age today that people live by feelings. You know, it's not about facts. They don't get any facts. They go by feelings or what they think is wrong. 
You have to be careful that you don't fall in the way that, um, that this culture seems to be going where you go with feelings, you see? I once ha- had a discussion with a pastor and we were talking about abortion. And they started telling me, who cares about abortion? I care about social justice. And I'm thinking, I cannot have having this conversation with a pastor who can't see that abortion is a very, very important issue in our land. That we have over 62 million babies died on the reason of convenience and money. And if you don't think that God's not going to judge us as a people as we continue to push them out, then you're not reading your scripture. God is very much alive. And many people are doing all these things because it feels good, it's popular. What does God say? What is God saying? Will you stand up and stand out? Because Paul was standing up and standing out with a voice. But he was also reminding where he's been. But that's not where he stood. God came into his life. I think many people fall in the same way of thinking. They fight about an idea. Or, but they forget about what does God say? I've talked to many people and they, they want to do what's right for the people. But just because the politicians say I want to do right for the people, I say do you consider doing right for God? Does God play an equation as God puts you in a leadership position to make laws for people? Where does the laws of God play in the aspect of as you make it laws for people? And it, there was silence on the phone. Because I say, as long as you take the laws of God and do not put him into the equation, every decision you will be made will be made according to your own wisdom, to your own ways. So I don't know about you, but let's take something. How many ever heard about bloodletting? George Washington died because of the belief of bloodletting. In the medical field, they thought that when a person had a virus or had a sickness, if you drain blood from the person, it would delete them of their virus, delete them and and actually cause healing. Well, in eight hours, the doctors drew 40% of the blood of George Washington. And because of the belief system that they had in place that everybody thought was true knowledge, our president, our first president, died because of the bloodletting. They actually drained too much blood out of his body. You have about 1.2 to 1.5 gallons of blood in your body, and your blood adds up to be about 10% of your body weight as a human adult. But now we know, if we read scriptures, the scripture says life is in the blood. We had a view one time, the popular view that people had, that the earth was flat. And Gal- Copernicus and Galileo would say, no, it's round. But the scripture says that God sits over the fear of the earth. You see, we got to be careful that you don't believe things because it's just popular. You need to believe things according to the word of God because this still, the word of God is still going to be the word of God, no matter what men may say. Paul the Apostle is calling him, calling himself a, a blasphemer because he was fighting against God. But in his own words, he says, I was ignorant and unbelief. And then eventually had an encounter with the Lord. Can I show you what he also said here in 1 Timothy? Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save a sinner who I am the worst. King James says chief. The real word there is chief. 
in the original language. He's saying he's the worst of the worst. Verse 16. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at this. Here's Paul the Apostle saying, forgetting those things which are behind Forget those things behind. What do you need to forget? What do you need to forget that you need to say, okay, God, you have this. Okay, God, I can't change this. Okay, God, I'm still hurting because of this. And God, here it is. Here it is. Help me, heal me, strengthen me. Lord, I'm ready to go to the next step of what you want to do in me and through me. You see, the Apostle Paul is learning that one thing he had to do is he cannot leave the past steer his present. What you really got to be careful of, you have to be careful how much of your yesterday controls your today. Sometimes our past can put too much control on our today. And we got to be careful that if you're trying to write a new book or a new chapter, maybe we need to stop reading the old one. Because you can't go forward. Paul's saying, listen, one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind me. And we have to ask ourselves, is there things in my life, things in your life, that's actually hindering our belief, hindering us from becoming everything that God wants? Are we truly surrendered to God in every area of our life? Because it only takes one area to get us sidetracked. You know that. Only one area. Because what captures the mind captures the direction. So, we need to forget the flops and faults and failures of our past. Let's look on. What else he tell us to do? He says, not only do you have to forget the things that are behind, but you need to strain toward what is ahead. The number third thing, practice you have to do, is we have to keep the focus in front of you. In front of you. Um, how many of you, and you, I'm not going to actually raise your hands, okay? But you're driving your car, you take your head down for a second, you, I'm not even believe I'm going to say this, check your phone, because I know nobody here checks their phone while driving. Huh? <laughs> Don't tell, la, 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 la. Because nobody should be checking their phone while you're driving. And by the way, if I haven't said it once or twice, but nobody should be checking their phone while they're driving, but, or maybe adjusting the radio, or maybe, maybe you spilt your coffee, and your coffee spilled, and you're like, I'm going to ruin my carpet. So you're trying to pick up the coffee or so. And you take your eyes off the front windshield of your car. And you pick up. And the person in front of you has their brake lights on. What happens then? Your heart races 100 miles a minute. And you slam on the brakes. You only took your eyes off for a short period of time. But in a short period of time, things can change. What we bring our attention to is really important. To strain towards what is ahead is to push. It is to, I got a little saying here I, I put together. It is to strain, is to exert yourself forward with a destination in mind. When you're exerting yourself, when you're straining forward, you're trying to get somewhere. And that's what that straining is all about. It's not easy. You have to push against something. I don't know about you, but... I like what Job says. Listen to what Job says in 17.9. The righteous keep moving forward. Hit someone in your neighbor and say he's talking to you. Come on, talking to you. 
The righteous keep moving forward, and those with clean hands become stronger and stronger. I really believe that as you work with God, and God's working with you, God's going to make you stronger and stronger as you just let him lead one step at a time. Someone say one step. One step. It's only one step. First, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us we walk by faith, not by sight. We have to, when we go forward, faith is always pushing us forward. Let me ask you a question. What do you have faith for right now? Right now, what are you having faith for? Where can you push yourself out of the box to strain forward to a destination? What is in your heart to say, you know what, Lord? I really want to do this. Let's just say, let's just say, if you could do one thing, if you could do one thing, and that one thing was to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. What would you do? And if you say, I do this, or what area could you increase? What area can you increase on? Right now we're doing fasting. Fasting. One time every week. When have you ever done that in your Christian life? One time every week. This is a beautiful place to stop. You know, sometimes, you know, we've done the 21-day fast. We've done a week fast, two weeks fast. We've done moments of fasting, congregational fasting. But to put fasting on a daily or a weekly basis, that's a different story. This is how we grow, by putting those things in our life. That's what is really important. So you say, well, I, I, I need to read the whole Bible. How many believers have never read from Genesis to Revelation in one year? It doesn't take very long to read the scriptures. I don't even want to tell you the math on this, but actually you could read your Bible, spending 20 minutes a day, you could read your Bible in probably 12, 14, 12 to 15 days by 20 minutes a day. And there's a little fluctuation on your reading, but it doesn't take long to read it, believe it or not. It's just, you have to do it. You just have to do it. But how many have never done that? Read it from cover to cover. How about, some of you maybe, how you say, maybe I should just read the New Testament. I've never read from Matthew to Revelation. You know, maybe some of you like to like the New Testament, but I don't really like the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament's hard, you know. Yeah, read it. It's in there for a reason. And everything has a reason. So what do you want to do? Oh, how about this one? Maybe you say, oh, I want to grow. I need to do ministry. It's enough. I've been a sponge for so long. I've, I've sucked up all God's goodness. There's water. How am I spreading it out? That's part of your growth. Straining towards a destination. Paul says, I'm forgetting what's behind. Now I'm straining to a new destination, to a new place I've never been before. Because I'm going with God. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm going with God. Hebrews tells us this. The author of Hebrews 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. So easily entangles. And then what it says. And let us run. Run. With perseverance, the race marked out for us. Run. How many of you have been running? Huh? <laughs> Larry, you been running? <laughs> Look what it tells us in verse 14. This is what Paul the Apostle is exhorting us to run. Listen to this. Run. I pressed, pressed towards the goal. What's the goal? What goal in life? are you pressing towards? We're going to see what goal Paul's pressing towards. What goal are you pressing towards? Life gives you so many years, so many days, so many months. What is your goal? You say, well, you know, uh, I, I accomplished them all already. Really? You are awesome. Please teach me. You see, 
we, we need to understand the goal. God wants you to have a goal. We ought to press forward to a goal. You know, just don't get up and just exist. That's not what God's asked us to do. God's asked us to press. If you're pressing, that means there's opposition. And we live in a world today that Christianity is no longer favored. Christianity is, is actually on, on the verge of persecution. But we are to press forward and to believe God. Paul the Apostle's pressing forward. And he tells us to press toward to the goal. And then he tells us this. Look what he tells us. Press towards the goal. And he wants you to win the prize. To win. Win. There was that. I remember Rocky. Remember Rocky, the movie? And Adrian, um, and Adrian is, is talking to him. And he says, you know, what do you want me to do? Win, Rocky. Win. Yeah, you remember that? Win, Rocky. Win. I want you to win. Because he wasn't, she didn't want him to fight, so he wasn't really into it. He was like just doing through the motions. But when he got the words, win, from his wife, man, he started just to have this, you know, he, he went to win. Paul the Apostle is telling you and I, to win the prize, win the goal. Don't just exist. What can you do to make a difference in others? Win. Win the prize. Are you in it to win it? Really think about this. I love the phrase, but are you? I don't care what age you're at. I pray, my heart desire. Let's suppose pastor's really old, really, really, really old. Really old. I can't even think that far. <laughs> I pray that I'm still spunky. And I pray that I am still trying to win the prize. You know, that I'm still sharing it with the nurses or sharing it with the doctors and sharing the gospel to the very moment I have no breath in this body. And only then, and only then is the reason to stop trying to win the prize because we have a we have a, a reason look at this look at paul the apostle in first corinthians chapter 9 look what he says to us look look at the spirit of god is saying what a great analogy do you not know that in a race all run is run but only one gets the prize run in such a way to get the prize do you hear the apostle paul in the spirit of god speaking how he wants you to live with intentional ways and stop allowing things to distract you, especially of those things of the past. Look at 25. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do to get a crown that will not last, but, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, no. I beat my body. I make it my slave. So that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Disqualified for the prize. You see, we have to run to enter for the prize. Let me ask you a question. How many have ever been in a marathon? How many have ever ran? Okay. I see we're not talking about a lot of people who like exercise this morning. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. This is the Boston Marathon. 
This picture here is the Boston Marathon. And I want to ask you if you could pick me out the person who's in it to win it. Can you pick the person who's in it to win it? You see, most of the people who are running are just people who want to run. They just want to be part of a, a marathon. They want to be able to say, I ran a 4K. I ran this. I ran three of this. They just want to run. They just want to finish. They're not intention to get the prize. They're not thinking about get the prize. They're just happy if they finish. I don't know about you, but I think that you and I can sometimes fall in that classification where we're just trying to just go with the crowd and just finish the race. I just want to finish. You know, Paul the Apostle, have you fought the good fight? Meaning you got to fight. There's a, there's a pressing. There's a, there's a stressing. There is a process. Paul's telling us, the Spirit of God's telling us, win the prize. Win the prize. There's many people who run, but they don't want to win the prize. They just want to finish. I don't know about you, but I do know a little bit about exercising. I do know a little bit about running. And anybody who runs, and I've known plenty of people who take it really serious, they are so strict in their training, their special diet, they're consistent in their training. They keep records of the food they eat. They keep track of their weight. They keep track of every run, their times. They use special clothing, special sneakers. They are always pushing forward. They're always pushing to go faster and go further. It's always a strain. Now think of this. How do we live our lives in the Christian realm? How do we challenge ourselves to be more and do more? Because sometimes people say, just take it easy. Just enjoy yourself. But that's not how the gospel is. The gospel is such a responsibility, as you'll see here in the end here, a responsibility that God has given you and I with the gospel of Jesus Christ that we only have a short period of time to communicate the gospel. We only have a short period of time. And we need to be careful that we don't start to just slow down and just, you know, well, let me just get a uh, cool drink and let me sit by the palm tree. There's times for that. I'm all for the rest and I'm also trying to encourage you to do the working as well. There's, a, there's two hands. You know, work while it's day, rest while it's night. Paul the Apostle talks about uh, trophies, the prize. And um, the prizes are good. How many of you won a prize? Anybody won a prize? We're going to have a drawing today. We're going to give away 2021 Cadillac, and everybody's name has been put into it. And when they put their hand into it, you're like, oh, he picks me. Oh, he picks me. Everybody wants to win prize, and there's trophies out there. But see, I've learned that trophies don't really mean much. I, I, I don't, trophies don't really mean much. They mean something to the person who gets the trophies. These trophies here, these trophies here. Um, this, is, this is a young lady uh, from Pennsville. Um, she was in a race. Uh, this is her medal. Um, she was a runner-up. Uh, this is also another trophy here. Both of these, this trophy here says exceptional achievement. Both of these trophies were found in the trash. I picked them out of the trash because I am a trash picker. <laughs> and I have no problem picking out good illustrations when I see one. And I said this one day, and this is the first time, I've had this probably for 10 years, and, 
And I said, one day when I talk about trophies, I'm going to talk about the trophies that I found in the trash. Because see, Paul's saying they run a race and for a trophy that's going to fade away. It's going to mean nothing. You see? And so these people who threw these trophies away with exceptional achievement. And this one here, look, they even got the, here's the girl's picture. One day I hope I find her and say, hey, I got your trophy. <laughs> and she, but this was runner-up. She, she must have said, you know what? I didn't, come in, I didn't come in where I needed to come in, so this has no meaning to me. Throws, chucks it. Now, I got a trophy over here, and this is one of my trophies that I have. And this trophy was the last trophy that I won in the world of wheels when I was in the show circuit with my automobiles. And love automobiles today, and I was leaving the whole circuit I recognize I'm going to be selling my vehicle. And so this is my last three-day car show that I was in, and this is my first place. I have a trophies or I have money, and I said I'd rather have a trophy to remind me. I asked the Lord to help me win a particular person that was very um, uh, just not nice. And uh, so um, this was my first place trophy. Now, to me, it has meaning of what God did in a certain situation. But do you think any of my kids want this trophies? Why? It don't mean nothing to them. My elk, my giant animal of an elk that I got in New Mexico, none of my kids want my trophy. Why? Because it's not theirs. And they don't really care about an animal that big that you need a whole room to just host it. You see, trophies on earth are just here. They mean something to you if they're your trophy, but that's about it. But it's all going to fade. Paul's saying, but we do a trophy that's eternal. These are eternal trophies, or crowns, should I say, the literal trophy. And that's just what Paul's talking about. When he's talking about the striving, he's striving to get that well done, that honor before God to say, you've lived your life well. Congratulations. You've done well. In the Bible, we have five crowns, and I'm just going to mention them today. But before I do mention the crowns, listen to how 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 to 27 ends as he talks about his trophies and how he treats his body. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it a slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. What does that mean? He wants to win the honor of the Lord when he finally stands before God. He wants to be the best individual. He wants to serve God. Why does he want to serve God? Why does he have this such a tenacity? His love for God. His love for God. And for the amount of grace he has received. The more grace you and I have received, you know the more love you'll have for God. The more that God has done for you and lavished upon you should rise up a great gratitude of why we serve. I think he who, the scripture is kind of great when it says, he who loves much, thanks much. I mean, you, I, you thank because you love much, because of what God has done for you. Here's the five crowns. Imperishable crown, a rejoicing crown, crown of righteousness, crown of glory, and crown of life. This is a symbol of honor when God one day is going to reward you and I for what you've done, for what you know. Accountability. I don't know about you, 
but I don't really care so much about the horizontal prizes. I have a lot of trophies, and they all mean something to me. But if I didn't have them, I wouldn't really cry either because that's not where I put all my focus on. These are just memories of a time of my life, a season of my life that God gave me the ability to witness to a whole city and to everybody who goes to car shows because my vehicle was all about the Lord and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen to James 1.12. Blessed is a man who perseveres on the trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Look at this. Let's show you what. Press towards the goal, win the prize, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The next step you need to remember is that we are called by God. Just say that. I'm called by God. I'm called by God. You know what we sometimes do? We always want to say someone's better than me. Yeah, you know, I wish I could do this. I wish I could be this. You know, we are so good on just trying to discredit what God's words already says. We love to compare ourselves. Well, I'll never be like that. Not with that attitude, you won't be. How are you going to be? How can you be better if you're always comparing yourself? Don't compare. There's no one like you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Every experience you've gone through, every situation, every circumstance has created who you are. You are beautiful when you submit your life to the Lord and let him lead you and be faithful to want to know him. Put yourself in the place that you can grow, you can know, you can be everything God wants you to be. It's a process. That's what fills our heart is the relationship with God, knowing he's with us. Paul was called for a work for the Gentiles. And he worked hard and he laid his life down. Paul was called, but so are you. I want you to understand this. I love this portion of scripture. Every one of us, this is for 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciled the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now listen to verse 20. 20 should just rock you. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Wow. Wow. But here's my question. What are we doing? How are we sharing? How are we becoming light? Are we more focused on our world than the world of those who are lost? Are we being so full of hate because someone doesn't believe what that you believe? Get past that. Don't let Parties or people or whatever, that people are different than you, stop you from sharing Jesus Christ because it is about Jesus Christ, not about this and not about that. Stay focused to the gospel. People are so often wanting to try to bring me into drama, but I stay on one subject Jesus Christ, the one who died, resurrected, and now is offering you salvation, eternal life. Will you come and follow? Very simple. Keep it simplistic. Don't get so involved in all these 10,000 questions that sometimes leads to no direction whatsoever. God's given you, called you to be an ambassador. He said, you know what, son, you know what, daughter, I want you to speak on my behalf. 
And then you would say, well, I want to speak on your behalf too, Lord. Then the Lord would say, well, this is what I want to do for This is what I want you to do in you. I want you to forget the things that are behind you. I want you to start straining to the things that are ahead of you. Oh, okay, God. You see the process? There's a process. You can't live from behind you. You have to start a new day with a new work. Let me give you a couple more. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Because this is an inglorious inheritance that he's given to us, right? And he says, once again, Paul, I pray also uh, that your eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. If someone died today and they came up to you and said, you just inherited a couple million dollars, well, people would be so excited. Woohoo! And it's great. It's a great thing. But can you imagine the inheritance of heaven? My. And Jesus says not to worry about all your treasures, but where your treasure is, so will your heart be also. I think we should think more about heaven, more about eternal things, because eternal is going to be forever and ever. And everything right here and all these things we cling to are, are, going to, are the things that can sometimes hold us back if we love them more than we love God. We have to be careful. The enemy is sly. So let's review real quick. Hope you can see all this. So, verse 13, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. First thing, let's remember you're not there yet. Paul wasn't there. He was still learning. So are we. Two, forget what's behind. What do we need to do? We need to forget the flops, the faults, and the failures of our past. We do not live in the rear view mirror, but we look ahead. That's why he tells us strain towards what is ahead. We need to keep the focus in front of you. Verse 14 tells us, I press on towards the goal. What do we need to do? We need to press forward to that same goal. Christ must be that goal. To win the prize. We are to win the prize. We need to be in it to win it. We want to receive the prize from God. To hear those words, well done. And it's not what we think of ourselves. Let me just say that. It's not what we think of ourselves. It's what God thinks of you. Let's get that through. It's not what people think of you. It's what God thinks of you. And lastly, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus, we need to recognize that we are called as well. Called to do a work. When I look at this, and I look at everything. So let me ask you a question. Are you allowing the past problems? What's, what flows your walking God down? Is it finances? Is it trust? Is it hurt? Is it pain? Is something you gravitate to? Is it a situation or a circumstance? If this was be this way, then I would do this. If, I would, if this happened, then I'd be better. Or if this person didn't do that, I'd be happy. I'd be a better Christian if it wasn't for this person. Really? Really? No, that's just finding a blame. That's taking and getting a name and then try to put blame. Whenever you blame, we know that's lame. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So our relationship is a day-to-day with a hunger and a thirst for the righteousness of God of saying, okay, God, here I am. Speak afresh. Speak afresh. And let the Spirit of God do a work in you and through you. Each one of you here is Jesus your Savior. I mean, I don't want to know that he, you know, you believe in God. The Bible says even Satan believes in God and shudders. No, no. Do you have a bona fide relationship? Have you said, Jesus Christ Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of everything that I've done. 
Come into my life, God. I surrender my heart to you. Maybe you're watching through the internet. Have you done that? Have you made Jesus Christ your personal Lord and Savior? Because there is a hell and there is a heaven and eternity is forever. And this whole thing, that why Jesus Christ came is because he loves you so much. See, religion is not man, a bunch of rules. It really isn't. Relationship that God created is because of love. It's the love factor. And his love changes hearts and he wants to change yours too. You just have to let him. That's all it is. Just say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I need you. And if you make Jesus your savior, he will come in. Believe that he died for you on the cross. Believe that he has a plan for you. Believe that he rose on the third day. Believe that he wants to give you eternal life and wants to grow you every day as you put him first. Your first love and the first way you live. Can you stand to your feet? Father, I just ask right now that you would touch our hearts, move upon our hearts today. Teach us, help us. We need you. We don't want anything controlling our thoughts, affecting our lives. Nothing having power over us. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would break those things that have power, negative thinking, uh, things that we think have to change before we do this or that. Lord, being connected or addicted to anything, Father, in our lives that are not healthy, Lord, will you just help us right now? Help us. That we let nothing in the way of knowing you, loving you, serving you. Can you right now in your, your heart just have a talk with Jesus? I pray that the Spirit of God has spoken an area of your heart that you need to surrender. Maybe it's your life to the Lord as you give him your life. Maybe it's an area. Maybe it's a circumstance. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a hurt. Maybe it's something in your past. Maybe it's something you did. Whatever it is. This is a time to say, okay, no longer are I going to allow them to hold me. I now am going to walk and strain forward and look to the cross and look to my Lord. Father, will you touch your hearts of your people? May you move upon them. May they draw ever so close to you. And may they sense your peace as they walk in your way, your word, and the life you give. God, as they no longer give any hold to those things that hinder them. And none of the faults, failures, or flops no longer hold them. But Father, this is a new day, a day in you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 1030 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.